Thank you for downloading this sermon from Heritage Baptist Church. We are so glad that you did. We believe that biblically faithful, Christ-centered, God-glorifying local churches are the primary means that God has chosen to expand His kingdom. If you are part of such a church, we hope that this message will supplement your spiritual diet. If you aren't yet part of such a church, we would love for you to visit us. For more details, please check out our website www.heritagebaptist.co.za Let's take a look in our Bibles. Uh, it's maybe not surprising on a night when we're talking about church planning, but Matthew 28. Let's start there. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And this, of course, is the Great Commission. Give you a moment to find your way there. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Let me read the passage for us. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's a very familiar passage, and of course this is right at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, just before he ascends back to heaven. Um, And these are very important words for us. Um, Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth. It's the first thing I want to draw your attention to tonight. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. So in other words, Jesus is king, the one true king of everything and everyone. And as his followers who acknowledge him as Lord of our lives, we are reminded here to take this command seriously. We are reminded of his full and complete authority all authority in heaven and earth. So we must obey this command. We must obey this command. It is not an optional extra. It is not a suggestion. It's not just something good that we could or could not do with our lives. It's something we must do. And brothers and sisters, I think it's very important. There's been some wonderful emphasis, uh, I think, over the last uh, decade or so about uh, glorifying God in your workplace, about realizing that, that everything you do uh, can be done to the glory of God and uh, that you, you, you don't need to be a professional uh, pastor, a vocational pastor or ministry uh, in vocational ministry in order to glorify the Lord. Uh, these things are, are true. Okay? Uh, it's, it's obviously also very important that we think about our, our devotional life with the Lord. Uh, we think about our marriages and our families. But we must not lose sight of the fact that as much as it's true that we need to glorify God in all of these areas, it's also true that he has commanded all of us to make disciples. This is something that is a non-negotiable for every single Christian. Secondly, since Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth, 
it makes sense that we must make disciples of all nations. Why? Because everyone everywhere must be called to bow to the one true king, to worship him and follow him. He's not just our king. He's the king in the UK and the USA. He's king in Germany and Japan, in Russia and Rwanda, in Australia, the Arctic, and the Amazon. In urban and rural areas, he's king over rich and poor, male and female, young and old, highly educated and not educated at all. Atheist and animist, Zoroastrian and ZCC. He's king over all, and all must acknowledge and worship and follow him. As John Piper has put it, missions exists because worship doesn't. Missions exists because worship doesn't. See, it's good and right to be motivated by a love for people. That's an important motivator in missions. By compassion for the lost, by a burden to see people saved from hell and able to enjoy a blessed eternity with God. The Bible does speak of those motivations, but first and foremost, we need to remember we have a garden king who is worthy of worship who is glorious. It shouldn't be enough for us to just praise him ourselves. We should feel the urge that we see again and again in the Psalms and throughout scripture, right? Sing with me, praise him with me. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Let me tell you, about the eternal and self-existent creator, the giver of every good gift, the sovereign sustainer of the universe, the humble and merciful savior, the true king who has full authority over everything, the one who gives us life and breath and everything, the one who makes your heart beat and your lungs inhale. He has full authority over your life. He's worthy of your full devotion. Worship him. Follow him. That's our call, is to take that message to the world. We must make disciples of every people group, everywhere. And what is it to make disciples? Well, first of all, it means we must evangelize the lost. We must evangelize the lost. We must tell unbelievers about Jesus and the cross. We must call them to turn from sin and from living for themselves or any other allegiance they may have in their life and to come to Jesus for forgiveness that only he can offer and to devote their lives henceforth to him completely. That's what it is to be his disciples. In one way or another, we must tell them. We must tell them. This is a message that must be communicated. A transformed life testifies to the truth and power of the gospel. Amen. Your unity as a church family and your love for one another testifies to the truth and power of the gospel. Jesus is very clear about that. Trusting God and having joy and peace through hardship 
prompts people to ask you for the reason for the hope within you. Peter tells us that. Your kindness to others adorns the gospel and may win you a listening ear. But brothers and sisters, the gospel itself must be communicated. It won't simply be transmitted through osmosis. There's objective content that people must learn and understand if they are to believe, if they are to put their trust in Jesus for forgiveness, if they are to repent and give him their full allegiance. You may have heard this quote before. Um, it was certainly very popular in, in the States when I was in the States a few years ago. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Okay? It's very catchy, and I know what they're, what they're trying to say, okay? but it's not biblical, right? It's not biblical because it is always necessary to use words. It's always necessary to use words. The gospel is a message that must be communicated. A better goal would be preach the gospel and seek to be a good ambassador of Christ by walking in a manner worthy of the gospel too. Now that's not as catchy perhaps, but it's a more accurate representation of what we're called to. Secondly, what does it mean to make disciples? We need to disciple Christians. In other words, we must help Christians, help people who are already believers, to grow and mature. We must teach and model for Christians what it looks like to follow Christ in every area of life. Notice in our passage that Jesus says we must teach them to observe all that he has commanded us. So we must teach them the content of what Jesus has commanded, but more so we must also call them to do it. They must be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We need to model practically for them, teach them practically how to actually put God's word into practice. And this passage tells us they must observe all that Jesus commanded, all that he has commanded. We don't get to pick and choose which of the king's commands we will obey. We must obey them all. And we must teach others to do the same. We must follow Jesus faithfully in every area of life and help other Christians to do the same. One way of thinking about it is we must be disciples, faithful disciples, who make faithful disciples. And lastly, in our passage, um, we'll look at another passage in a moment, but while we're here in Matthew 28, lastly here, note the second half of verse 20. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We must remember that Jesus is with us in this mission. Brothers and sisters, the Bible promises us persecution as we live for Christ, particularly as we witness for him. Human beings like to be their own king, and they don't respond well when we tell them that they must give up the throne and bow to the true king. Conversations are going to be awkward. You might even lose some friendships. You might have some family members 
distanced themselves from you. I'm sure many of you have experienced that already. But we must faithfully tell others that they must turn and give their allegiance to the true king. We need to remember, brothers and sisters, salvation is a miracle. It's nothing short of a miracle. Right? If scripture tells us that we are all dead, dead in our sins and trespasses, until God raises us to to new life through the gospel. If that's true, then evangelism is guaranteed to be fruitless unless God is working through us. No matter how bold, how articulate, how winsome, how persistent you may be, it's not something you can do on your own. And praise God, you're not on your own. Jesus is with us. Discipling others is also often difficult. Think about it. We must teach fools to become wise. We must help lustful people to become pure. We must help the angry become self-controlled and gentle. We must help proud people to become humble servants. We must help the greedy to become content and generous. We must help those who fear man to fear God alone. We must help people trust God in the face of terrible trials. We must help the weary persevere. And we can't do this alone. But again, we are not alone. Jesus is with us. Let's look at one more passage quickly. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, Ephesians, as many of you know, is a book that has a lot to say about both the gospel and the church, right? We see the wonderful truth of salvation by grace, and we see Paul emphasize that it's even more gracious, if we can put it that way, that God would extend the gospel to to, to non-Jews. And through Christ, he not only saves the Jews, he saves everyone, and he unites us together in one body, in the church. And he's clear that the church is God's plan for this part of history, right? The, the church is God's plan for this part of history. This is, this is home base for what God is accomplishing in the world during this time. And in Ephesians 4, verses 11 and following, it says... And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints, to equip Christians for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may longer be children, may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, 
makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, just some quick observations from this passage. The local church here is central in God's design for how Christians grow and mature. The local church is central for discipleship. If the task of discipleship is compared to, bre- to baking bread rolls, the church is the oven. Okay? The church is the oven. It is absolutely necessary. It is the environment in which the process of discipleship takes place. It's also very clear from this passage, right, that ministry is not the work of just the pastors, right? The pastors equip every member to speak the truth in love. The pastors equip every member to do the work of ministry. And as every member plays their part, the whole church grows. Bringing this all together then, Fulfilling the Great Commission, fulfilling the Great Commission requires what? It requires evangelism, it requires discipleship, and it it requires investing yourself in the local church. See, being a faithful part of Heritage Baptist Church here is a part of the Great Commission. Right here reaching the lost and helping them mature in their walk with Christ, making disciples. And beyond that, as you function here as a faithful part of Heritage Baptist, some of the people you reach with the gospel here or uh, whose discipleship you invest in, they'll go out and they'll strengthen other churches. And that may be uh, in in a vocational sense as, as, as pastors, as church planters, or it, it may be like in the case with Mpume, right? She's coming to us, she's joining us, and we're not viewing that as just any other person coming to join us. We know that Mpume's been discipled here. We know that Mpume uh, is, 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 um, uh, is skilled in ministry because of what she's learned here. And that will be a huge blessing to our church. Another thought is that by helping Heritage be a holistically healthy church, you also serve the Great Commission by providing a model healthy church for all those who go out from here to emulate, okay, and for sister churches to learn from. So again, with Mpume, we, we're not, we, it's not just that we know she's got a wonderful love for the Lord. It's not just that we know that she's a godly person with a heart for ministry. We know that she's got a biblical vision for ministry, right? We know that what she's going to be aiming for is, is what she should be aiming for in discipling others in hospitality, etc., etc. As I mentioned earlier, that was immensely helpful for our church plant that so many of our core group had already spent time together in, at Living Hope, in a healthy church. They knew what they were aiming for right from the beginning. And thinking beyond this, what about church planting, right? What about church planting? Is it enough to just be a faithful part of your local church? Well, I want to encourage you to think beyond that as well, as important as that is. See, one thing your local church can't be is local for everyone, okay? 
You can't be local for everyone. So if the local church is God's hub for discipleship, if this is where disciples are made, then we need local churches everywhere. We also need to help encourage and establish and see churches flourish everywhere that will be hubs for evangelism and discipleship in their area. So here's a few things that Paul shares with us in the scriptures, ways he talked about his ministry being supported. Lela already mentioned earlier prayer, prayer, and it's, it, it's true. It, it comes up so often where he's either thanking people for praying for him or he's asking them to pray for him, and specifically for his missions efforts, not just prayer in general, specifically for his missions efforts. Giving, giving. Now, I'm not asking you to give to church planting in a way that neglects giving to your own local church. That uh, is first and foremost, and I don't have time to make an argument for it now, but, but giving to your local church is first and foremost. But if you are able to give over and beyond that, Paul uh, is very vocal through Philippians, the book of Philippians, about thanking them for, for their faithful giving to him again and again uh, through his, his various needs. We see um, many, many times Paul has, uh, has many co-laborers, right? They're not all with him for the same length of time, but there's many people who will join him on this missionary trip or in establishing this church. And that may be something for you to consider as well. Again, you are fulfilling the Great Commission as you are faithful right here. But in communication with your elders, maybe something that you could consider at some point. I, there's an opportunity for me. I, 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 I could take a job in this city and I know of this church that's here and there's a faithful man serving the Lord there and I know that they could really use uh, a couple more, more faithful members in that church to just help them along. Um, is that, can we prayerfully consider that together? I, I, I challenge a lot of our, our medical students. I said, look, you know, around this country, in rural areas and townships, there are many, many pastors who are desperate, <laughs> desperate for some faithful members who will come and stay. But that's very difficult, right? Because oftentimes there aren't steady jobs in those contexts. But medical jobs are everywhere. So uh, that doesn't mean, you know, if you're a doctor, you have to go to the village. But it is something to prayerfully consider. And then we see, with the example of Epaphroditus at least, right? Paul's in prison, and Epaphroditus, who doesn't seem to be a, a leader in the church, not a pastor or an elder as far as we can tell, but he's just someone who's able to go and visit Paul in prison, able to, de to deliver some resources to him, refresh him, encourage him, and we see uh, Epaphroditus doing that faithfully during Paul's time of need. And then Third John. Third John talks about the value and the importance of hospitality for traveling missionaries, right? So when somebody who's uh, church planting, you know, maybe in another country or, or out in the village, when they're back here in Johannesburg, 
uh, one, one way to, to really serve them, you lessen their financial needs by hosting them in your home. And then, of course, you, you really just seek to refresh them and encourage them during that time. That's very important as well. Okay. Now, a couple other ideas for you. Okay. One of the biggest struggles we see for church planters in this country um, in lower income contexts, uh, as I've already mentioned, is, is people, I've said, you know, oftentimes people aren't able to stay because of the financial context, right? And so oftentimes you'll, you'll see a dynamic where people are giving faithfully, but they just don't have anything to give, okay? So we've already talked about financial support as we're able, but another big thing that keeps coming up in these discussions is this whole dynamic of pastors being bivocational, okay? And now oftentimes what ends up happening is a pastor, he takes the only bivocational job that's available to him, but it's something incredibly time-consuming or it's something that doesn't pay very well. So at the end of the day, he, he's still struggling to make ends meet. Okay, so what I want to, want to put out there is that for those of you who are business owners, think, dream, pray. Are you perhaps in a position to employ a church planter with a bivocational job that will serve him better than being a full-time teacher on top of trying to be a pastor, right? Um, are you able to offer the sort of job that could be part-time but quite, good, quite well paying or perhaps a job that could be done from home, done remotely, or a job with flexible hours that he can work, work around ministry? It'd be wonderful to see Christian business owners creating positions, um, you know, and, and tailoring them in such a way that they really can help serve pastors in this sort of situation. And those of you who are entrepreneurially minded, can you help perhaps a church planter with ideas, with coaching uh, for a small business that could help them provide for their needs. And again, ideally a small business that's not going to consume all their time. You know, and, and, and or, or sometimes part of what would, could be involved here would be even just some of the, the initial capital, right? To just get something going that will then uh, end up being a blessing long-term. We have to think strategically. We have to, we have to put our heads together. We have to be the church and when I, when I say that, I'm talking about, so this local church is a body, but the church is also a body. And we need to use the gifts that we have in different parts of the body. They need to be working together because this great commission has been given to all of us. Okay? So let's evangelize. Let's disciple. Let's invest ourselves in the local church. And let's... let's do what we can and think and dream, uh, dream up ideas and put our heads together, and do everything we can to help see other local churches established and strengthened so that this gospel can go forward and King Jesus will receive the worship he's worthy of. Amen. Let me pray. Our Lord and God, Jesus is worthy. He is the king, the only king. May he receive the worship he deserves. 
God, I pray that this would be something that burns in our bones. Would you give us a greater view of you? Would you give us greater love for you, greater desire to see you honored as you should be? And God, uh, there's so much here that could discourage us. We think about just the incredible need. We think about just financial obstacles that seem, seem insurmountable. We think about even just in personal discipleship, we think about family members we just can't imagine trying to share the gospel with. We just can't imagine a way it could possibly go well. God, help us to remember Jesus is with us to the very end of the age. So give us great confidence and boldness along with our passion to tell others of him. And God, please use our feeble efforts. We are limited, you are not. So help us depend on you and give us great confidence God, what we see at the end of history is every tribe, tongue, and, ma- and, and nation around the throne praising Jesus as he deserves. This mission will be accomplished. It will be. And help us to remember that. And help us to be faithful. We pray this in the name of our King, our Savior, Jesus. Amen.